We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? On today's show, we have got the three-man weave united and ready to launch. Joining us, first up, we got my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only, Greg Makes. How you doing, man? Feels good to be back, baby. First, I just want to give a quick shout to a couple of people that reached out to me, just checking, where have you been on the pod? People have been like, hey, Adam and Will have been killing it on the pod, but we missed your voice. I'm back. I was on vacation the last two weekends, so I'm here. Shout out to you guys for holding it down. Good to have you back. And of course, we can't be the three-man weave without our final compadre here. We've got our podcasting cousin from across the pond, the leader of the Taylor gang, the one and only Adam Taylor. You know what's popping? I'm loving life. It's, it's, it's daytime, dude. You two are still blurry-eyed. I'm up, ready to face the rest of the day. I'm living, man. I'm living, Greg. We missed you. We missed you. I appreciate the shout on the last pod. Um, you know, I do, when I'm not there, I do listen all the way through as I'm, you know, producing the pod and whatnot, still getting it up there. And uh, Adam gave me my flowers for bringing up, like, the Team USA big men. And uh, I, I do feel responsible, but I also want to say that it was my coworker, Brett, shout out to my guy, Brett, who was the one who brought it up to me in the office. And then I brought it to you, Adam. Um, so shout out to Brett. He was the true originator of that idea. Hashtag cite your sources. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I, I feel like we, we were the ones that got it out in the ether. And then all of a sudden it was every podcast had it. So we're, we're taking credit for it is basically yeah. how we feel about that. That's well, hold be... on. Hold on. Well, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, Adam, before I forget, Adam just said, cite your sources. Which reminds me, Adam, I want to give you a quick congratulations because you finished up your degree, right? I saw you posted hey, something about that. I Greg, did. Greg, I Greg did. you got you to edit in some like cheers and applause right here at that, at that moment right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it. Yeah, man. I, got, uh, so I, I graduated a, a, a while back, but they took ages actually because I'm not actually getting a graduation because they didn't do the numbers correctly. So it was like, yo, you miss out, which is infuriating. Uh, they mailed me the degree instead. So that just took ages to come through. And, you know, you can it's not official until it's official, right? You don't score until you score, if, if anyone's an American Pie fan out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Spoken uh, like a true graduate. You know what I'm saying? You don't score until you score. So the, 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 the ball went through the net, two points on the scoreboard. Adam got some letters after his name. I'll probably do a master's degree down the line, but and no plans to do that anytime soon. That so, so, so how should we officially be addressing you from now on, Adam? Give, give us the full rundown of said letters for your name. It's just a normal standard shit, and it B A H O N S, um, and then there's like I think there's some other words after it for what type of degree it was. I don't know. I just told everyone to call me um, the honourable because it's an honours degree. So like the honourable <laughs> Adam Taylor. The honorable Adam, Adam Taylor. Does it, feel right, well, as good as, uh, does it feel as good as warm apple pie? Nothing feels as good as warm <laughs> apple pie. 
Well, hopefully to celebrate, you got a little bit of warm apple pie, if you know what I'm saying. But there's so many uh, there's so many young listeners right now where this whole conversation is just going over their head. And then there's people our age, like millennials, that are probably having to pull over because tears are streaming. <laughs> we're like, uh, you know how it's with, with certain kids' movies, like whether it's like Pixar or whatever, they have certain movies where it's like, oh my God, they did an amazing job of making this entertaining for parents, but kids aren't quite sure what's going on i feel like we're on the precipice we're not quite in the pixar territory but that's 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 what we're going for right now and i think we're i just want to give a shout out to elemental have you all seen elemental no uh, no i have not seen though. elemental so i, I, I had a lot of people talking about it yeah, um re- real quick adam for those of you that are listening check the show notes because at some point we're going to talk about basketball and i will put <laughs> it in the show notes at what point the basketball talk starts Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be in the chapters as well. I'll just skip this shit if you're not interested. Um, so we it's like background information for anybody that wants to know or anybody that cares. We were supposed to record on Sunday, so this will come out earlier on Monday. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to be available, but I want to watch a, a movie with the wife and kid. Um, so we pushed to recording on Monday. The movie ended up being Elemental. Uh, honestly, dude, they knocked it out of the park with that one. Like, I'm a big fan of like colors as well. Like I like um, you know, like. Oh yeah, you you big on colors. Yeah, but like you know what I mean, like color schemes, the way they yeah. make everything pop and make it all attractive and stuff. They just did such a great job with like um the different type, the different shades. I don't know, dude. What I'm, I, in my head, it all makes sense. But just go watch the movie; you'll understand. Yeah, no, it, it looks I good. Like I, I, and it's funny when you said you like colors. I thought you were going to say I really like animated movies. So I was a little thrown off when you just said, "Oh, I like colors." No, I just like, like okay. you know the way it's immersive. The way like, I, I do get it. I, I do get what you're saying. It just threw threw me off for a second. But um, no, so like I, I've seen the commercials for for Elemental. I think it looks good. It reminds me a little bit of, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it, it's the one that has. Once again, a lot of colors. So maybe you know this one, Adam. Uh, it has uh, like all the emotions that are are different characters. Um, inside out. Inside out. There you go. So it, it kind of reminded me of like that type of vibe with with Elemental. I don't know if 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 you can verify if that's what it is. But yeah, kind of. Like, like the the messaging was different. Like you know, one was more about taking care of your emotions. One was more about you know the the love can be found anywhere type of message but overall it was good and we should start saying this the parents of the podcast because any disney movie we speak of i'm guaranteeing i've seen it at least three times that's true that's true that is going to be your lane although greg's coming off a weekend where uh he, he got a little parenting test run babysitting yeah. some of his, his nieces won't be long. and nephews won't be long you'll be hitting with getting hit with that uh that hospital bill for the babies soon dude Greg, oh, did you man. come away with any uh, any new child caring experiences that you'd like to share? Well, let's see. So I was back in Boston. My sister had so she lives in Philly now. She used to live in Boston, moved to Philly, and the airline that she needs um, is is so she used to take JetBlue all the time, right? So she has all these JetBlue points, but for whatever reason, like the JetBlue planes can't accommodate her and her kids. Like she needs very specific accommodations for them. I think it's like you know how JetBlue has like the three three seats and then the two seats. She was saying something about the plane just doesn't work for her with JetBlue. So she has all these leftover JetBlue points. So she was in Boston um, running some event at Boston College High School, BC High. And Marty Walsh was there, who's former mayor of Boston. He was like the guest speaker. It was all about like celebrating uh, immigrant voices. So she flew me into Boston. She was like, hey, take my JetBlue points. I have this big event. I want mom and dad to be there. So I want you to be the babysitter for my kids. <laughs> so I didn't get to go to the event, but I did get to pay- babysit her two kids. Um, my brother ended up coming over with his two kids. So we just had a great night. They watched like some Penguin movie. Uh, my brother and I, apparently when you're babysitting, it's okay to drink some whiskey because we were just drinking uh, some whiskey and eating some Chinese food as as the kids were just kind of hanging out. And what I would say I learned, I definitely learned that if it came down to it, I could handle a new kid. If a new, if I was blessed to have a new kid in my life, I could handle it. And then I would also have Danielle to help me out because bedtime routines, man, bedtime routines are crazy. How the hell are you supposed to get two kids to bed, you know, when, when there's only one parent around? It, it, was, it was impossible because once my brother left, it was just me, four-year-old Oliver and two-year-old Sam. And they had these routines and I didn't really know what to do. Um, my mom told me a little bit, but she didn't write it down. So I was like, okay, I remember I got to like, they, they, 
she said, I don't have to give them a bath, but then at 7.30, they're both screaming at me that they want tubby time. And, you know, like little kids, naked bodies, nah, not, not like a fan. So <laughs> I don't really ben, know how to not. do all that. I don't know, man. Swimsuits yeah, on, kids were going swimming. <laughs> yeah, it's just a big tub. Right, it's like in Big Daddy when the kid stands up and he's wearing the bathing suit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, so I, I, I did tubby time, uh, read them some stories. Uh, they're obsessed with baseball. So Sam is like literally two years old and he knows all the baseball players because their dad is, uh, he works for the Philadelphia Phillies. He's the uh, president of PR for them. So he's like, my brother got them some baseball cards and he's like, I got Shohei, I got Shohei, I got Mike Trout, I got Mike Trout. And they're like, potential new Red Sox in the off season. We'll see. Right. I know. I'm pretty excited about that. But I mean, you you just, what I learned, I guess, biggest takeaways is you just got to be always on your guard and you always got to have shit for them to do. This is why I stopped at one, kid. This is why I stopped at one. One was easier with two, though, because you can kind of like put them, you can like have them play with each other and stuff. Yeah, until it gets to bedtime. Same thing people think about dogs. (laughs) Yeah, I will say that puppies are harder than kids. You have said that before, Adam. That is true. You're the only one that's had the experience of both. Yeah, my wife said it to me this morning as well. She was like, dude, just give me another baby over this. She was like, (laughs) this puppy, like, because with kids, like, you get to know their cries, right? Like, one cries hunger cry, one cries um, I need to go to the party or whatever. With puppies, it's just, Bruff. it's like, that's the same bark I heard when you were hungry three days ago. And now you want to go take a well, pee. Hum- well, as a human, they're going to evolve what their signals are, right? Whereas a dog, it's just like, you got to just figure out whatever yeah, the figure hell that this shit out. And or... like, it's, it's tough, right? When it's four o'clock in the morning with a baby, you're kind of like, right, there's one of three things that are going to go wrong. And I don't know if you've seen that Cat Williams skit where he's like, if you get high, there's three side effects. Hungry, happy, sleepy. With a baby, it's <laughs> like, baby. yeah, hungry, happy, need your diaper change. That's it, right? <laughs> With a puppy, there's like 50 different things that could be wrong. And you're like, dude, it's 4 a.m. There's no basketball on, so I've got no reason to even care about this time existing. Like, just go to sleep, man. So, yeah, I'd sooner take a baby over a puppy. <laughs> well this has been our kind of makeshift parent corner that we've just uh we've thrown together here so uncle hope, corner uncle <laughs> corner me, anyway. like yeah uncle father corner and then just observer corner for your boy here uh well let's take uh, do it let's take a break and then we'll we'll actually talk some basketball here so let's let's, let's regroup ourselves here take a break we'll be right back we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 
All right, so over the weekend, we did have a little bit of actual news that broke for the Celtics. We have two different topics that we're going to cover here. Let's start, though, with the probably the, the more notable one. We have Gary Washburn uh, of The Globe, who was on Celtics Wire, talking about the relationship between Malcolm Brogdon and the Boston Celtics, which apparently has not had a lot of communication over the offseason. Apparently, at the time, when he was originally almost traded in the Chris Porzingis trade, unshockingly didn't sit well with Malcolm Brogdon was not a big fan of being traded and then not being traded. And so apparently at that time, quite pissed off, which I think makes a lot of sense Uh, to his credit. Gary Washburn says he doesn't know how that level of, you know, anger has shifted since that time, but that since then, not a lot of conversation, not a lot of fruitful talks between the Celtics and Malcolm Brogdon. So, you know, as we're looking ahead to training camp, we're going to start doing important training camp questions. I do think for me, this is actually one of the top two or three questions going into the Celtics training camp is what is that relationship with Malcolm Brogdon and the Celtics? Because if you look at this roster, that top seven, stack them up against anybody. Let's roll a ball out. Let's, let's I like the Celtics chances, but Malcolm Brogdon is a big part of that. So, Adam, let's start with you. You know, I don't think these comments were super surprising, but what do you think it's going to take to potentially mend the fence with Malcolm Brogdon? Just time. I mean, the way I look at it is, if you remember, Brogdon did that interview at the start of last season where he was like, he'd never really come off the bench before. Brad Stevens sold him on being the guy to come off the bench and, you know, it helps him take care of his body and it helps the Celtics have a quote-unquote like star level or just below star level guy coming off the bench as your primary ball handler, primary scorer. Brogdon accepted that and then he excelled. And then you try and send him to the Clippers. Now there's two ways you can look at it. Brogdon's either pissed that he didn't get to go and live in LA, which, you know, I think we can all understand that it's warm. It's sunny. There's beaches everywhere. I like LA or he's pissed because he took, he made that sacrifice like, to come off the bench for a year and still find himself in trade talks. Now, at the end of the day, it was a trade talk for a guy that was coming off a career season that is the third star in Boston's new free-headed monster. Somebody had to go, and Brogdon was kind of that more disposable. If you had to choose between Smart and Brogdon in a vacuum, you're choosing Brogdon due to the injury concerns. He got injured in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's no guarantee he's going to be as healthy as he was last year ever again. If you look at his career uh, as a whole, he's been healthy his rookie season and last season, and that was it. There's been injury issues all the way through and coming into the NBA. Yeah, he's going to be upset, but look, man, it was a good business move, and sometimes business moves ruffle feathers the wrong way. It just happens. I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I think your point about the trade was to the Clippers into LA. It's not like we were sending him sending him to like a shithole team. You know what I mean? We were still giving him an opportunity to li- live out the rest of his contract extension, which he signed, right? That's another thing is Brogdon like committed to the team. He he, he has that extension. Um, so I think with, with Brogdon, it's like, dude, we weren't sending you to, I don't know, the Atlanta Hawks, even though the Atlanta Hawks are kind of good. Like they're, it's also probably not like the greatest situation to be in. Like with the Clippers, you're getting to go into LA, you get to play with like Kawhi and PG. Um, they got a great coach out in LA. You're living in Los Angeles. Like things are going to be okay for you, dude. And you know, the, the report from Washburn, because we don't have Brogdon's words, right? All we have is his silence. Maybe sometimes the silence is speaking louder than what his words could actually do. But it's like, I don't really know how much stock to say like, oh, Malcolm Brogdon is still pissed off about this because he hasn't said anything. Like you, you're not, you don't have to talk to the team in the off season. Yeah. Like you can take a break if you need it. You can go reset your, reset your brain. I think the only thing is like when you, the Celtics are starting to post some videos of people like working out in the facilities and whatnot. So like Brogdon's absence and his silence might be speaking louder. Um, but overall, I would say, I would imagine from what I've seen from Malcolm Brogdon and, you know, being president, uh, you know, president Brogdon, I think, He's going to get over it. He's going to figure out a way to to you know mend, mend the fences with the team and and be a professional. And then if he really wants to get out of Boston, he can always just say like, hey, "You can trade me." And the Celtics, I'm sure, would be would be okay. You know, finding finding another avenue for him to be successful in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, for for him to get traded, I think I think he's going to have to prove he's healthy. I think that's going to have to be one of the mm-hmm. parts is him just getting back yeah. on the court. And you know, I'm with you. I think you know, Brogdon, you know, 
you know, President Brogdon, President Barack Obama, Brogdon, you know, like he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a professional about it. But, you know, I do think it's one of those things where, you know, the season gets off to a rocky start, whether it's he's not playing well or the team's not gelling, injuries are happening, whatever it might be. You know, it's, it is certainly, I think, one of those things that will feel like it's in the past, but then all of a sudden, if he's getting criticism for, for his play or if he's being blamed as one of the reasons that the Celtics aren't playing well, like, there could be, you know, it's like one of those things that just kind of sits with you down in your gut, and you're like, all right, we can move on. If you're winning, that's going to cure all. That's the number one thing for me. If they start playing, they roll the ball out, and they start playing, and they're winning, nobody's going to give a shit. Like, it's going to be totally fine. You know, he's going to go back to being a six-man-of-the-year candidate, try to repeat his title as six-man-of-the-year. But, you know, if he gets injured or if the Celtics aren't playing well, if he's not shooting 44% like he did last year uh, or people or whatever the reason is, like, I could see this being one of those things where it comes back up and it's probably going to be partially the media bringing it back up. Mm -hmm. And then Brogdon's going to have to respond when he does have those cameras in front of him. So I'm with you as of right now. I think it's a bit of a non-issue, but I do think it's one of those storylines that we're going to probably forget at some point. And then if things do, you know, get a little hairy at some point, it could reveal its head again and be like, oh, this was never actually like really fixed. There was scotch Mm -hmm. tape put on this. This was not like, you know, they didn't really actually mend everything here in whatever way that would take. I don't know. But there is a world in which everybody plays nice and then it could, you know, rear its head at the wrong time. But who knows? That's that's a potential. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I think we kind of need to wait and see here. But, you know, like. I'm curious for what you guys think, you know, how important is with with Marcus Smart going out, how important is Malcolm Brogdon to this team? Because his role is slightly different than what it was last year, right? Like he's he's now Tim and Derek White are the main ball handling guards. Let's, let's, let's label them as that. You know, how important do you think him being healthy for a, a second straight season, other than obviously the, the conference finals we talked about, you know, how important is that to this to this team's success? And I'll go back to you, Greg, to start. Yeah, I think Brogdon, you know, being the sixth man of the year, obviously it's extremely important, right? He was a consistent piece throughout the year. As you said, 44% from three. Um, We knew what you were getting from Malcolm Brogdon every time he stepped on the court for the good and the bad. You know, he wasn't great on defense last year. He couldn't get by anybody. Can't make a left-handed layup to save his life. Um, But the 44% from three, those types of things that, you know, is just like a known commodity I don't know if Brogdon's really going to have the ball in his hands all that much. I think it's probably going to be more playing off of like Jason Tatum or, you know, or pr- probably just off of Tatum. I don't, I think if it's him and Brown on the court, we saw last year that didn't really work that well. So I think him spotting up off of Tatum with Porzingis and, um, you know, oops, Hauser, maybe that's a lineup that they throw out there with a bunch of shooting around Tatum. I think he's going to be huge for the team, but to my point of him missing shots in the lane all the time, really not being able to get by people um, just in one-on-one situations. He really has to do it off of a catch or off of a screen. He can't really get by anybody in isolation anymore. Um, I, I think there, there were definitely some signs of slippage, just in overall athleticism with him. Towards the end of the year, he started reminding me a lot more of Andre Miller, the old point guard, where he was like kind of just doing old school, um, old man at the, at the schoolyard moves. And I think, you know, there's a world in which Brogdon's game just de- has declined enough where last year we started seeing the signs and this year um, people have kind of caught up to it like, oh, Brogdon can't do X and Y anymore. Let's just make him, you know, let's make him do Z or plan for Z so that we know that he has to try to do X and Y, which he can't really do physically anymore. Um, but oh, to answer your question, very important. But I think the Celtics would be able to uh, figure out ways with the new lineup combinations and with uh, and a little bit more Peyton Pritchard, a little bit more Sam Hauser, where you could make up for it. Yeah, to build off Greg's point, I think that not only would they be able to, I think they'll be planning on it, contingency planning, knowing that Brogdon could miss extra time. Without Smart, they're going to ask Brogdon, in my opinion, to at least expand his role as a playmaker to be more of the Brogdon that we saw pre um, pre-six man of the year run where he was primarily just a, a catch and shoot guy or a drive you know he was just um, a, f- a featured scorer would probably be the best way to pull it off the bench mm-hmm. yeah. you, they're going to need him to do a little bit more on ball creation this year especially 
if Tatum's going to be working on scoring off the catch, which he struggled with, and coming playing two man games with Chris Stats both on and off the ball, having Brogdon be more of a distributor might help. But the expanded role puts expanded risk on his body, and obviously, then injury concerns start to be discussion points, which is why it makes sense to at least in theory, have contingency plans for if Brogdon needs to miss a stretch. I think Pritchard's role will take up, uh, get an uptick there. Brogdon's going to be super important, but it, they'd be smart to not rely on him being the player he was last year because there's no guarantee that's what he's going to be. Well, Adam, yeah, and real quick, like, you know, we kind of just said two different things, which is which is cool, the, the conversation. My question is, if we're going to have him be, you know, taking on more responsibility as a playmaker, if Brogdon were to get hurt, right, that's a little bit harder to to just be like, oh, well, now Peyton Pritchard, maybe we're going to expand your your yeah, play Pritchard duty. can't do that, right? But if you say like, oh, Brogdon, you're going to play off ball. We're just going to have Tatum as that playmaker. If Brogdon goes down, it's like, oh, you can slide somebody in a little bit easier to that off ball role. So if if you had your pick, would you want Brogdon more as an off ball player or on ball player? I'd want him more as an on-ball guy because I want Tatum off the ball a little bit more so he can hurt teams with movement, spacing, um, improve his catch and shoot. And then when he is on ball, it's a bit more difficult to load up to him because you know that you can have Brogdon off ball. I think primarily I'd want Brogdon on ball when they're on the floor just to give Tatum some additional options as a screener as well. Screen and roll, yeah. pick and pop. Just makes more sense to get Tatum easier looks throughout the regular season rather than asking him to be the one to absorb all the contact, absorb all the additional um, the additional negatives that go with being a primary ball handler. And then you, if you need to, you can ramp up the ball handling abilities as the postseason comes around. Yeah, I, I think for me, that's that's what I'm expecting to see. And, you know, Greg, I think back to, I'm pretty sure you and I were covering during one of the, the preseason games with Malcolm Brogdon, and he made a couple of passes where you and I got a, probably a little bit too excited. And we were like, oh my God, I haven't seen someone make a read like that since Rondo. Now we're probably being a little bit hyperbolic, but it had been, you know, a while since we had seen that. And then we didn't really see that Malcolm Brogdon once the regular season started, right? Mm -hmm. We saw the, you know, it, it felt very intentional. Like, Hey, your, your mentality is to go score, not to facilitate. Like that's your, your secondary, you know, mentality when, when you're on the court, either you're spacing and you're knocking down shooting, or if you're getting the ball, we want you to, you know, try to make something happen in the scoring department. That seemed like that was most of Malcolm Brogdon's assignment. So without Marcus Martin, you look at, you know, the, the main top seven guys that you have here. I do. I am curious to see if they change that role to what kind of what Adam said, where it's more playmaking, where, you know, he's been a guy that's averaged seven assists before, you know, in Indiana, didn't feel like that was necessarily the same type of, you know, game management style that we ever really got from Brogdon. He was just mostly score first, which is fine. I think that's what he was asked to do. And he did it. He did it obviously at a very, very high level to the point that he won, you know, six man of the year. So I do think it's going to be interesting how that works. But like you said, Adam, that's an expanded, you know, wear and wear and tear on your body, so to speak, right? If you're going to be more involved uh, it, from that sense. So can I offer anybody a little bit of a little campaign? Anybody, anybody, anybody want to add a little campaign to the end of the bench? Like literally yeah. add the man campaign. Yeah, yeah. He, he was waved by the Spurs last week. So yeah, no, I, did, I, saw, yeah. I didn't know if you were saying like you were advocating for a new campaign. I, I'm not necessarily campaigning for campaign, yeah. okay. but I'm asking, does anyone want to campaign for a campaign on the show? Well, here's the thing about campaign. He's going to push the pace. And your your point about Brogdon in the preseason last year, he was the passes specifically that you're referring to. He was making these like hit ahead cross court diagonal passes to like either corner. And he was really pushing the pace and looking to move the ball up ahead. And nobody else on the team is really does that like when Tatum gets the ball in transition he's going to score when Brown gets the ball in transition he's going to score Brogdon in the preseason last year was showing that he had court vision in transition and there's really nobody else on the roster that I see having that court vision uh, I think Tatum has the capability to do it campaign I think is one of those guys that when he gets the ball in transition his eyes are up the court and he's looking to find people um, I don't particularly love what campaign does just like overall but that specific skill set at the end of the bench I, i'd be open to it you see i'm very big on campaign and pritchard are two players two sides of the same pitchfork right so they both push the push the pace they both get up the court quickly i think pritchard is a better offensive threat i think campaign is a better playmaking threat 
But I think when you look at what Pritchard went through last season with being pushed back in the rotation, if you bring in campaign now, uh, this close to training camp, you have to move on from Pritchard. And I think he's earned that opportunity, especially because he brings something that Joe Mazzula is going to value incredibly highly, which is floor spacing, off-ball movement, three-point shooting. And since entering the NBA, Pritchard's been a fairly good small screener. Now, I'm not saying that he's better than campaign because campaign is more experienced. He's got a bit more playoff experience. He's played with some elite level guys and been successful playing around them. But for me, it's just what are you going to value more? Do you want the playmaking or do you want the, the shooting? If you want the shooting, then there's no need for campaign other than depth, but that he won't be willing to take that role. Yeah, I think that's probably the a good way to leave it here. Cause I think I think with campaign, you know, like you said, you just made me rethink kind of do we need more depth at that position as we're talking about Malcolm Brogdon maybe taking on more responsibilities. So I think it's at least a conversation, but I, I think for now. If I'm the Celtics, and what I would expect is they probably leave that guaranteed roster spot open, but they did make another move over the weekend here, and they actually filled another one of their two-way spots with former King Center, Nemus Keita. I hope I'm saying that right. Thank you, Basketball Reference, for your pronunciation breakdown. As always, you do always come in handy here. So Nemus Keita is someone the Celtics have signed to a uh, another two-way deal. and have three players on two-way deals. There's some weird languaging that allows for this to happen with still there being an, an, an open roster spot. So it will get itself sorted. But, Adam, you're, you're kind of the king of the of the breakdown here. The, let's call this the, the Moses Brown section of the podcast here. So give us your, uh, give us your scouting report of, of, of what you got for Keita on us. Yeah, honestly, I'm still working through it. Um, I've spoke to a few people, spoke to our boy Brendan Nunes, who's just landed a full-time gig covering the Kings. Shout um, out. Brendan speaks quite highly of Keita. Uh, again, I still need to figure out how I feel about him. Is it Keita? Quater? No, I'm, I'm laughing at Brendan, just like he speaks highly of everybody on the Kings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's his job, right? Like, yeah. and, until you ask him about how's the defense. He's like, well, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> defense. Um, no, seriously, though, I think that, you know, seven-foot rim runner can defend the rim, um, can scream real good. There's a bit of a passing upside to him. I do know that somebody kind of mentioned that his per 36 numbers look like a young Rob Williams, just in terms of rebounds, assists. Uh, block shots, contested shots at the rim. There's definitely some holes in his game. He's a two-way guy. I think that there's a good chance that he doesn't crack the rotation at any point during the whole season. If the big man rotation stays healthy, we don't see Crater play at all. If somebody drops out, just having that extra big body is going to be valuable. Defensively, I think he's got a lot of room to grow. And just in terms of positioning, same stuff we saw with Rob early in his career, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding where to angle your body. Like defense is more than just being in the right spot. It's having the right angle. It's having the the right load on your knees. Whether you can shift left or right at a good pace. Whether you can explode and land back ready to move laterally again. I think those are going to be like the nuanced areas where Quater needs to improve. Again, I've still got to watch a ton of film offensively it's just a rim runner is going to screen and roll and that's pretty much what you're going to get on a five out he's going to look to pick passes but i just don't think his passing is refined enough to like succeed in that role do you know what i mean he's going to see over the defense but can he hit the target consistently or are we going to be looking at a Jalen brown one-to-one assist to turnover ratio sorry Jalen, you caught some trap nor didn't mean it. <laughs> well it seems like this guy's uh fulfilling the same type of like prototype of player they were looking at with Kevin Gelly, they were looking at with Bruno Fernando over the last couple of years. Like I, I haven't watched any film on him besides like a three minute highlight tape. So I'm, I'm basing all of that off of that. And I think, you know, when you have Luke Cornett at the, at a backup center space, who's like, he can play drop Luke. He, he, he's a, he's a rim threat for sure. Just because he's so big, but like the, the best version of Luke Cornett does not overlap with the best version of, of this guy, right? They're, they're completely different types of big mm-hmm. men. So I think it makes sense for the Celtics to continue to bring in these, like these flyers on, on big men that fulfill a specific role that like Rob is, you know, the number one guy on the roster that's going to do those things. But if Rob goes down, you need someone that you can at least be like, okay, Rob's not there that, 
vertical threat's not there anymore. Who else can we bring in as like a true pick and roll big um, that might be worth like getting some minutes here and there while Rob, you know, Rob is out. And, and for the most part, we've seen over the last couple of years, like just because Rob, when Rob is out, that doesn't mean the Celtics are going to then pivot to that guy, right? We didn't pivot yeah. to Kevin Gelly. We didn't pivot to Fernando. We just figured out other ways to play basketball without that threat on the court. So to me, he's, he's like one of those project bigs that the Celtics seem to like uh, taking flyers on one year at a time. Yeah, in my in my YouTube research, much like you, Greg, uh, Kevin Gelly was actually the comp that kind of jumped to me, but just an actual like like a bigger version, right? Because mm-hmm. Kevin Gelly, you know, he's very athletic, plays you know plays bigger than he is, but he he's actually like six eight, six nine, like he's smaller than he actually is. Whereas Keita's seven feet, he's a legit seven footer. So if you want to put somebody you know in that space, that was the name that jumped out to me as far as just you know what what is kind of the you know what type of player could this potentially be? And I think it's exactly, you guys nailed exactly what his role will likely be a little bit of development. We'll see what happens just in case if they do get him to pop and maybe they can slide him into a Rob Williams light type role down the road. That's just something that they want to have in their back pocket. Cause you never know with a lot of these two way guys, when you're going to strike gold and when you're going to find something that is actually sustainable. So you just keep taking, you know, more at bats, the more at bats you have, the more chances that it potentially could work out at some point. I just want to throw in there as well, like um, Warriors fans were really big on Golden State potentially looking to bring Cater in on a full roster spot. When he got waived, there was a lot of discussion among Warriors fans about, because they're, they're screwed for depth, for size, right? I think their biggest guy is 6'10", Sarich and Trace Jackson-Davis are both 6'10", that's it. There was a lot of discussion about, do we bring Cater in to add some size? He'll be the third big in the rotation. And a lot of people seemed on board. Now, if he's good enough for Golden State as a third big in the rotation, he's definitely good enough for Boston as a two-way guy. You know, do you, feel the def- same, do, you, do you feel the same way about Dwight Howard? I mean, I like Dwight Howard. I don't. No, I'm just, I'm just saying that because the Warriors are supposed to be bringing him in for a workout to fill. Yeah, that spot I, I mean, look, <laughs> Dwight Howard would have been cool, but the Warriors are going for the. Do you remember when we had the um? The, the the Lakers the other year were doing the Golden Girls Lakers. Do you remember where everyone was like a million years old and fossilized? <laughs> but that's what the Warriors are doing this year. So Howard fits there. He doesn't fit in Boston where there's still some youth and athleticism. Well, I think the the report of Dwight Howard to the Warriors makes sense. Where like a few years back, it was you know it was Shaq. Shaq was the guy where everyone's like, we need to have centers that can guard Shaq or at least give six fouls a game to. To, to put Shaq on the free throw line and with Jokic becoming who he has become being the MVP like you're going to see more and more teams try and be like all right that's the guy we have to stop if we want to win a championship we need someone that can at least bang with Jokic and make like dip- difficult I think that's something that Dwight Howard um, is still capable of doing he, he can't be the defensive player of the year that he was he can't be the offensive force that he was but he could give you five fouls guarding Jokic and just make life difficult for him. Eddie Johnson said the exact same thing on NBA Dash Radio the other day. Like, so you're, you're thinking online with a, what is he, a 13-year, 15-year NBA vet? Hey. I know basketball. Basketball IQ <laughs> through the roof, bruh. <laughs> All right, let's, let's take a quick break and let's get to one other topic here before we, before we wrap this up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so one other NBA topic that we haven't covered yet is, you know, we we know that there was going to be a change in the resting policy for the NBA for this upcoming season. Uh, We now have that and know 
generally, I'll say what the parameters are. You know, I saw someone on Twitter say, you know, it's it's more of a guide than it is, you know, physical rules that are exact and they're not in concrete. Let's say that. But, you know, one of the things that did jump out about the resting policy is that, you know, teams cannot rest. Here's one of the I'm reading this right now, word for word. Teams cannot rest multiple healthy star players in the same game teams also must ensure that stars are available for in-season tournament games and games broadcast on national television so that is going to be the emphasis in the way that they have defined who these star players are right because it's one thing to say oh yeah you can't rest stars well who is a star so they actually do have criteria of who this applies to and so if you have made an all-star team or all nba within the last three years uh that you apply for this rule so for the celtics this is jalen brown and this is jason tatum But I will say, guys, one of the things that jumped out to me that I was so happy about and why I didn't even think initially to put this on the rundown is this is so little of a worry for the Boston Celtics because out of all the things that you might be able to say about whatever you feel, if the Jays have, you know, reached their peak or not, they fucking play. They play if they're healthy. They're going to play. Jason Tatum is, you know, basically you got to, you know, except for his kid's birthday party, he's going to be there. (laughs) Other than that, other than do celebrating a birthday, popping some bubbly, you know, he's going to be at the garden playing every single night. So I think for me, that was one immediate takeaway is that as I see other teams or other, you know, content creators that cover their teams, their topics immediately were, what does this mean for Kawhi Leonard? What does this mean for, you know, insert player X? Celtics don't really have to worry about this, but Greg, let's start with you. What was your thoughts on, you know, seeing some of the details come out about this rest policy? Well, I like that they're putting it on the organizations, right? Because it's not in the collective bargaining agreement. You can't find the players for sitting games. You're finding the organizations for sitting games, right? So like for those of you that are super pro player, like at least keep that in mind, right? Where it's not coming down on the players. No, no money's coming out of their pockets um, or anything like that. It's just like, for the for the, for the Celtics, I was worried because when I initially saw it, I was like, "Wait, Porzingis would he fit the criteria?" Because he's the guy that you're really concerned about. And when I saw that he wasn't on that list, I was like, "No, we're good." Because as you said, Tatum and Brown are going to play, and you can rest one of them, right? It's just that you can't rest both of them at the same time. That that's pretty much what that's it comes correct. down to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, I don't think it's going to affect too many teams because of that like you can still rest people you just can't rest people at the same time to my current working knowledge of, of how they're doing this but also to your point earlier it's not like set in stone stuff it's more like a lot of things that are open for interpretation you know so if, if someone says hey we're resting Kawhi Leonard because he has inflammation of the knee like are and are they gonna like go investigate and like figure out that he has actual have a, have, have, have an impartial knee. NBA doctor on standby that goes to each arena. And it's like, Nope, you don't qualify. Like, right. Or, or, really hard to... or, or are they gonna, what's the investigation look like? Is it just like, we're taking the do, the team medical report. They're sending the medical report in. So yeah, we tested his knee and it's inflamed. Um, there's a little bit of swelling. Here's a picture of, of this knee versus that knee. Cause if it's that it's, it'd be pretty easy. I feel like for, for teams to still rest people when they need it. Photoshop's a wonderful, wonderful tool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or like send a picture of Kawhi's knee from like last summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I will say this. I'm reading this verbatim as well. The fines for each violation include $100,000 for first time, $250,000 for the second time, and then $1 million more than the previous fine, so $1.25 million for any additional violation. The NBA can investigate a player's availability. So I'm assuming they will have some form of policy where maybe if you're ruling out a player for his fourth rest game, the NBA send one of their own doctors. So it's an impartial doctor. I think that's going to be the best way to, to monitor that is be like, Hey, we're going to pay for an outside specialist to come in. And if they deem that he can't play, then we're cool. But if they deem that, you know, you're just trying to sit in because it's, aren't no fucking like what? December 4th and nobody really cares and you're playing the fucking Raptors, then yeah, we're going to make you play. <laughs> well, here, here's my thing. Like, you know, we're all in our mid thirties. There are some days I wake up and shit just hurts. And like, if you asked me to play, I'd be like, I'd be like, ah, dude, like my hip just 
is stiff today. Like I can't. I doubt that it would show our, up. Our entire anyway. life is a game time decision when you're in your mid thirties. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can't plan like, too far ahead. <laughs> I wake up and I'm like, why are my thighs sore? Like, what? What a part of you? Why am I? I've been asleep. <laughs> I haven't done shit. I did. I got off the plane yesterday, and I'm, I'm literally. I stood up and I limped all the way from my seat on the plane until I left the airport. I was limping the entire time. Like my hip, my right knee hurt. Like things just hurt. So like I don't understand how they're gonna be able to tell somebody, hey, like you're not in pain. It's like dude, no, I, I I am in pain, and like I I don't feel comfortable going on the court today. Dude, when I was in Boston, I stepped off a curb. Not long after, remember when I left you on the Saturday where we'd gone to um. Yeah. I'd got out of the, the Uber back at the hotel, and as I stepped out of the Uber, there was like a curb to step down because it was like a road and a curb down, and then you had to kind of walk around. And as I stepped down, I, I just felt a twinge in my heel. That was it, just a step. <laughs> and I limped for the rest of the day. All around the TD Garden that night, I was limping. It's that easy at 35, 34. It, it's horrible, dude. Yeah, like, it's it, it's going to be tough to regulate. Like you said, there's so many different things. I'll be interested to see how they enforce it. Greg, one thing that you did bring up that um, I have an ESPN article about this pulled up right now that they do mention. So we said before the, the qualifications for a star is you've made an all-star game or an all NBA in the last three years. Does that change at this year's all-star game? And the answer in the article is potentially yes. Once again, nothing is said in concrete. So to your point of, you know, Chris Porzingis being the one that you would immediately probably be most concerned with, you know, there's absolutely a world in which he makes the all-star game this year. And so after the all-star break, potentially this rule, you know, does, does kind of then come into effect. So it's not entirely out of the wilderness when it comes to, you know, Chris Porzingis being affected. So, but once again, it's, it's really flimsy how some of these rules will be enforced. But one part that I did think was funny is, or I want to ask you, you guys, have you, have you guys all seen the list of the players that technically qualify for this? I've seen it, but I haven't memorized it. Yeah, same here. Was there was there anyone that particularly stood out to you as it's it's almost comical that they apply for this at this point? Uh, Mike Conley. Yes, that's one of them. He applies for the star rule. See, I was just like, yo, these are all stars during the NBA. I never look at it like this dude's not a star. Well, I'll tell you the one that stood out to me, which is crazy to think about, like where his career is at, but he's still on this list because it's a three year window. Ben Simmons is still on this list. <laughs> ben Simmons is a star? Yeah, I don't know about that anymore. I mean, it's, 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 it's at least up for, for debate. He's got to do something. But the fact that Ben Simmons is like the reputation of Ben Simmons is where it's at right now. And that mm-hmm. this is only a three-year window of qualifying for either All-Star or All-NBA. And that he's still on this list just shows like how crazy it is. And that it's also not super crazy to think that he can get back to that spot it's just it's just a reason i mean it's a fascinating case with ben simmons i also feel like they probably if if the goal is well one it's like the spirit of the game stuff but it comes down to dollars right they don't they don't want to mess up the bottom line with with sitting people for national televised games and stuff and if that's the case what's surprising to me is i didn't put in like a lottery pick rule you know that like you can't be resting lottery because people are excited Mm -hmm. to see chet holmgren people are excited to see um like the thompson twins and stuff like that like to see Wemby, of course, to see Wemby. So French like Chet Holmgren. <laughs> so to me, that that was the thing that like surprised me most is that they're not considering like the star power of someone and they're using all-star as the defining well. I, I think I think the part for that, this is my assumption, is not all lottery picks play right away, right? So even if they're not technically resting, like do they have to play? Because like these are stars that are they're going to get minutes. If they're healthy, they're getting minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're going to be on the court, but there's going to be in Wemby's obviously probably an exception, but there's going to be guys that are, you know, sitting at the end of the bench that don't like, look at Jalen Brown, his, his rookie year, right? Mm-hmm. Like some nights he would play 10 minutes. Some nights he might not play at all. Like he catch a few DMPs here and there. So I don't know how that would factor into it because I know that obviously with the guys that are on this list, if if they're suiting up, they're they're starting moat like ninety five percent. Yeah, and, and I I guess that would be it, right? It would be like early on in the season if they're in your starting lineup and like they're clearly a part of your rotation, you can't just like sit them to sit exactly. Them. You it know might be I mean? like a qualification. Type. I don't know. It, it's messy either way, either way that you try to parse this. Out, I'm surprised the NBA did it, but shout out to them because I want to see stars play. Yeah, I think we all do. Let the boys play. Take the take the um the chain off the damn gym. 
Uh, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Green with Envy. As always, we appreciate you guys for locking in here with the three-man weave. Make sure you are hitting that subscribe button. Make sure you are following us across all of our social medias. Uh, Adam, you got any, got any articles coming out this week that people should be aware of? I'm doing one. Well, we still haven't had the the last dice roll one released just because it's the off-season, so things are being spread out a bit more. But I'm working on one where I'm trying to talk myself into liking Gaucher Brissett's game for the Boston. Um, I'm very early into it because obviously it's quite film dense just for me personally, not for the actual article. At the moment, I haven't been able to talk myself into O'Shea Brissett's game for Boston. <laughs> but there's a long way to go, man. There's a long way to go. Tell, so that'll tell, be it. Tell Bill to cancel the assignment. I couldn't do it. I couldn't talk myself in. I, I have been tempted. Out. I have been tempted. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that that can... That can be the article, though, no? Can you just be like, I started this article hoping to talk myself into it, and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. That's probably going to be, I don't know. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to try and be as uh, judicial as possible, as fair as possible. Uh, but I just keep going back to Grant Williams would have done better. And that <laughs> seems to be where I keep tripping myself over. Yeah, we were a big Grant Williams podcast, so we'll we'll have to see how that plays out. But we'll hit all that and more as we lead up to training camp coming up here October 2nd, October 3rd. Those dates cannot get here soon enough, but we will have you covered as we start to cover all of the issues that will be hitting the Boston Celtics upon training camp opening. Uh, but that's it for myself, for Greg, for Adam. Greg, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Y'all know the drill. Black Sheep Optimists, get this high. Peace out, brother. Deuces. Every time I get this high, I lose my mind It don't take much no more Until I hit the floor Every time I get this high, it's you I find It don't take much no more Until I match your door Cool, baby, what can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I'm floating your river. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.